Hello, fellow robo capitalists. Hope you're well. My laptop's broken. <laughs> so I've got to use my other computer here where my head is half the screen. I look like a, a human bobblehead. You have to bear with me. But I wanted to do a video today because we had an announcement by the Fed. They came out yesterday and started talking about the BTFP. Now, most of you have probably heard this, how they're increasing the interest rate. So there's no arbitrage play between the BTFP and IOR. I'll explain that in a second. But what they also came out with is an announcement. We're going to go to this press release here in just uh, momentarily, where they said that they are going to discontinue the BTFP March 11th. They're going to discontinue it. Now, I did not see this one coming at all. If you would have asked me just last week or you know a month ago, what would be the probability that they would extend this program? I would have said 99%. So the fact that they're not extending this program, I, I think that could be a huge, huge mistake that might bite them on the ass and they might have to reverse it. But I don't think that's the catastrophic error that I talked about in the title of this video. The catastrophic error is announcing this right now. This makes absolutely no sense. Why would you do this now instead of wait until... I don't know, the beginning of March, because you've pigeonholed yourself into a corner. You've painted yourself into a corner where now you have to go ahead and allow the program to expire, even if we see through the BTFP usage that it's necessary. I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about here in just a moment. Let's go over to, first and foremost, this press release from the Fed. This is yesterday. The Federal Reserve Board announces the bank term funding program will cease making new loans as scheduled on March 11th. And, and again, I did not see this one coming at all. I would have bet a lot of money that they would have rolled this over. But the, 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 the biggest the elephant in the room here, I think, and probably what most people aren't talking about, is, even if they know that they're discontinuing this program, is why would they make the announcement now? Why would they do that? It, it just makes no sense, but let's keep going here. The Federal Reserve Board on Wednesday announced the BTFP will cease making new loans scheduled on March 11th. Yeah, remember, that's a temporary program. It's supposed to last a year. They started it March 12th, 2023. So true to form, they're uh, letting it expire. It's still, <laughs> it's still a little shocking. The program will continue to make loans until that time and is available as an additional source of liquidity, okay? During periods of stress, okay, now they talk about what the BTFP was or is, we get it. So now let's go to the BTFP, the usage. And that's this chart. Now, unfortunately, this is not current. This is as of January 18th. Now, okay, I was gonna say, I assume that they update this weekly. And as you can see under the frequency, that is true. So we're going to, it should be updated today or maybe tomorrow. Let me refresh. I just pulled this up this morning. Yeah. So we, we've really got to wait and maybe another week as well. What I'm going to be very curious as to see what the usage is over the next couple of weeks. Why is this important? Why do we need to watch this like a hawk? Because the hypothesis, the theory is that this huge spike up that we've seen recently is strictly due to an arbitrage play. And it has nothing to do with strains in the banking system. Nothing at all. Nothing to see here. They're just 
kind of sweeping it under the rug. Because, and for those of you who watch my videos, you're probably aware of this, but for those, just a refresher here. What happened is when they first set up this program, the interest rate they're charging on these BTFP loans was very, very close to IOR. And that's the interest rate that the Fed pays the banksters on their bank reserves that are on the Fed's balance sheet. Okay. So what happened in November, which is right about here on the chart, if you look at my my pointer, and that's where it pretty much went parabolic, is the interest rate on the BTFP started to go down substantially. Why? Because it's actually tied, not to IOR, but it's tied to the one-year forward swap spread, if my memory serves me right. So it's kind of one of these esoteric uh, interest rates that, that Snyder talks about all the time. <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they said, okay, we'll lend at this rate plus 10 basis points. But as you know, the market has been predicting that the Fed is going to drop rates. So that esoteric interest rate plus 10 basis points starts to go down, 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 down to the point where banks were able to borrow at, let's say, 4.8%. But they could just borrow those bank reserves and park them at the Fed. And the Fed pays them 5.25 on IOR. So they just pocket the delta. Just a simple arbitrage play. I get it. And that makes a lot of sense. But what it doesn't explain is why the usage went from, let's just say, $70 billion, uh, during or toward the latter stages of the crisis we had in March 2023 with Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic, Signature, etc. Uh, it went straight to $60, 70000000000 billion. Okay. But notice, did it just flatline or start to go back down between then and November? No, 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 no. It continued to go up. In fact, it went from 70 billion all the way to, let's just say, 110 billion. Okay, that's an additional 40 billion. That's an additional, call it roughly 75, 80% usage with no arbitrage whatsoever. So I have been very skeptical of this arbitrage narrative because it doesn't explain what happened from April to November when that opportunity did not exist. So I, I totally grant the the the, the uh, arbitragers <laughs> are pushing that there. I, I grant you that there's probably a lot of this spike due to that, but there could be a lot of this spike that is due to just additional bank stress. So this is why, for me, or this is one of the reasons why it makes no sense, and I think this could be a catastrophic error. Not because the Fed is ending the program. We'll have to wait and see on that. But they're announcing it now. So if I'm the Fed, what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, we want to move everyone over to the discount window. We're going to get into that in just a moment because they made another announcement about that or they've been making announcements about that over the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> but what I would do is I'd say, hey, I'm upping the rate on the uh, BTFP to a level that's consistent with IOR. And what I want to do is I want to sit back and wait a couple weeks. Remember, we're still in January. So why are we making an announcement, something happening at the beginning of March or, or almost the middle of March? So what I would do is I'd make this announcement and then I would sit back and wait to see what happens. And I would look at the utilization on the BTFP when we're in a time frame in which there is no arbitrage. Now, if utilization stays high or goes higher, now all of a sudden I know that I cannot rip the Band-Aid off. 
March 11th without risking some serious, serious problems. But if utilization goes back down to, let's say, uh, you know, under 100 or something like that, under, under 100 billion, then I know that, okay, maybe it's going to be okay to rip that Band-Aid off as long as I've got this stigma that's attached to the discount window, as long as we've done some PR around that, as long as I've got the standing repo facility, as long as I've got the reverse repo facility, we're, we're pretty much covered because we saw that utilization go down, you see. So I would have brought the rate up. I would wait to see how the utilization played out. And if I saw the utilization start to go back down, then I would go ahead and make the announcement sometime in February that we're going to be ending that program March 11th to give the banks the heads up in advance so that they could go ahead and prepare for that. But I'm not painting myself into a corner to where if the utilization goes up or continues to go up, signaling that, yeah, the banks really, really, really need this program because there's something going on beneath the surface here that Jerome Powell might not know about as far as systemic risk in the system that's increasing, then I could go ahead and say, well, let's roll this plan over. We're just going to roll it over at an interest rate that's consistent with IOR so there's no longer that arbitrage opportunity. This is the catastrophic mistake that I was talking about. Why on earth, and maybe you guys have an idea, maybe you know something I don't, why would they announce that now? instead of waiting a couple weeks. It's, it's not like it's the beginning of March right now. It's, it's the end of January, for heaven's sakes. We, we've got six weeks. And you've got plenty of time to give banks the heads up. You don't have to do that now. So we're going to have to watch this like a hawk. I'm going to be very fascinated to see how, in the next couple weeks, this what this chart looks like. Does it continue to go up? Does it flatline? Or does it come back down? Because if it continues to go up, we could have some big problems in little China. <laughs> that, that is for sure. But now let's go over to some other charts. So we've remember, guys, there's three stages prior to BTFP as to how the, these banks that are in, in big, big trouble access the liquidity that they need. And these three buckets, if you will, give us the clues needed to see what the perceived risk is within the banking system. And if that risk is skyrocketing, which could lead to a, call it a, a crisis, a GFC 2.0, hard landing, whatever you want to call it. All right. So first and foremost, it's the advances from, or the loans from the federal home loan banks. Now, for those of you who, who, watch every single one of my videos, you'll probably know what this is. For those of you who don't, this is a bank that was set up, I can't even remember, how 100 years ago or something like that, a long time ago. And uh, it was specifically set up to give banks the liquidity they need to offer mortgages, right? But what the banks thought about is, well, wait a minute here. I could go, when I get into trouble, I could go to the FHLB, I could borrow money from this entity, and people would think that I'm just borrowing it to give mortgages. And then there's no stigma whatsoever. So let's check out a chart and you'll see what I'm talking about here. So you would expect, first of all, you would expect this to skyrocket right before a recession or a dot-com bust, which it did. And you would expect it to continue to go up 
in the early 2000s. Why? Because they're probably just extending more mortgages. This is probably, I would say that when this line kind of trends up gradually, that's probably legit. That's probably banks using it for liquidity for actual mortgages. But when you see it go parabolic, that means, in my opinion, that the banking system, they're not borrowing because they want to extend more loans as far as uh, people buying houses. They're borrowing because the stuff's hitting the fan. And this is the, the best way for them to access liquidity without having to go to the Fed and admit that you're in trouble. Another thing that I'd, I'd like to point out before we move on is the, the Fed is going to extreme lengths lately, especially in the last two weeks, to try to destigmatize the discount window. Why would you do that? Let's just think about this for a moment. Why would there even be a stigma, right? So what we assume and what the market assumes and what the Fed likes to lead you to believe is that the Fed is at the middle of the monetary universe or solar system, and the banks just kind of revolve around the Fed. Okay, well, if this is true, if they just go to the Fed for all the liquidity and all the, the bank reserves and all this stuff, then why would they even be worried about a stigma? There's no stigma with the Fed as far as if you got a, if the transaction is simply between the bank and the Fed, the Fed is not going to hold that bank accountable for them accessing the discount window. There's going to be no stigma in this equation. The stigma involves the banks in the future doing business with other banks, right? So if the Fed controls all of this liquidity, why would the banks care about stigma? The answer is they wouldn't. The reason they care about stigma is because the vast majority of liquidity is provided by the banks themselves, regardless of reserves, regardless of the Fed's balance sheet. If it wasn't true, no one would be worried about the stigma to begin with. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Anyway, getting back to this uh, federal home loan bank. So this is the first area where you start to see cracks in the system. And look what we had here. Cracks in the system leading up to the surveys sickness, as you would imagine. And then it just goes completely parabolic. This would have given you the first clue. If you had been watching this, uh, this right here at the beginning, let's say the beginning of 2022, or actually throughout 2022, you could have predicted that there was going to be some stuff hitting the fan. You could have predicted that just by this parabolic move. So now it has gone down. So that would be a good thing. But we're going to have to watch this like a hawk, especially as this BTFP expires. And if this thing goes parabolic again, that could be a huge signal that we need to pay attention to. So now we go ahead and move on 
to uh, the, the from the FHLB, then the next step would be the discount window. Well, now the next step's the BS the, the BTFP, uh, but the next step would be the uh, the discount window. So let, going through this in order of uh, what the banks would prefer is their first preference would be this the FHLB. The second preference would be the BTFP. The last thing that they want to do is go to the discount window. And again, why? Because they're worried about stigma. Why are they worried about stigma? Because the vast majority of the liquidity does not come from the Fed. It comes from the banking system itself. Okay, so here's the good news. As of right now, the discount window really isn't being utilized at all. But you can see when it is being utilized, (laughs) that's when you know you got problems. (laughs) <laughs> that's when you know that you really, really have. So what we need to look for is the uh, first and foremost, the chart starting starting to really go straight up with the, F, uh, the Federal Home Loan Bank. Then we need to closely monitor the BTFP, assuming it's still there. And then it should bleed over from the BTFP to the discount window. That's kind of the timeline. So right now, again, good news is it's not being utilized at all. But the Fed is trying to, again, you know, get rid of that stigma that goes along with it. And they're not just trying. I mean, they are going to some extremes. Now, here's an article from Seeking Alpha where they talk about some of the uh, rhetoric around this discount window and the Fed's... Uh, and the Fed's uh, really desire to have the banks start using this because, and I think this goes back to ripping the Band-Aid off of the BTFP because they know that that could be, you know, they're playing with fire there. They're really, really rolling the dice. And so looking at this, this, and I'm pointing, you can't see that, but I'm pointing at, <laughs> at uh, this article that talks about the discount window. There, go, and I've read in other articles that they're even contemplating forcing the banks, forcing all banks to use the discount window at least like two weeks a year. So if all banks are using it at least two weeks a year, then when one bank uses it outside of that time frame, it won't be as big a deal. At least this is what the central planners at the Federal Reserve are, are trying to, to tell us, right? Now, we know the truth that the, the, the Fed can do anything that they want. In fact, I just uh, had Josh text Snyder, and he told us that they got rid of the, the term discount window way back in 2003, or at least they started to try to rebrand the discount window. And what did they do? They rebranded it as primary credit. So now when you go to this chart, and I, I said it was at the discount window, but you can't find discount window anywhere. It's just primary credit, primary credit, primary credit. Right. Because in their minds, like, oh, we'll just change the name and then the banks will use it and there won't be the stigma. Uh, That's the level of thinking that you've got at the Fed. But obviously that uh, that has not worked. So getting back to this Seeking Alpha article, they're discuss. Let me read some of the things that they're discussing. They say one solution would be explicitly give banks credit for their discount window borrowing capacity to cover ultra short term acute outflows like those endured by Silicon Valley Bank. So. One thing that nobody's talking about, and even in this article, any of the articles that I've read about them trying to destigmatize this over the last two weeks, 
is the fact that when they went to the BTFP, they got 100 cents on the dollar. So you got to think, why did Silicon Valley Bank, prior to going bust, why did they not go to the discount window? Because it wouldn't have done them any good. Because that collateral that they had, they would have got face value for that. Or they would have got the market value. That would have been, let's just say, 70 cents on the dollar. And that would not have been enough to cover the outflows. You see, they had to get 100 cents on the dollar. They, meaning the other banks that actually stayed in business, they had to get 100 cents on the dollar. So this is another potentially catastrophic error from the Fed is, sure, they're providing all of these discount windows, primary credit. They're providing the standing repo facility. They're providing the reverse repo, all of these things to where... If it, let's face it, if a bank didn't want to use liquidity from the market, they really wouldn't have to use it. They could simply use the Fed's balance sheet whenever they want, right? So the, the Fed is going to that extent, but the banks aren't using it at all. So you've got to ask yourself, why? Is it less efficient? Why is it that the banks aren't doing this? You see? And again, it goes back to ripping that Band-Aid off with the BTFP. And I think that what they're trying to do is prep the market by getting them to utilize this prior. So when they or if they do, then they've got this kind of, uh, of a, a backstop in place. Let's go down here. And they're, this is not all that they're trying to do here. They say the discount window, along with the standing repo facility, might perhaps help the Fed maintain smaller balance sheet and moderate volatility in the Fed funds repo markets as banks can turn to these facilities as a source of backstop liquidity. Okay, so what the end game is here, guys, and this is really one of the keys, we have to realize that the, the direction we're heading is for the Fed's balance sheet to be more and more and more and more of the market. Now, I don't think the banks want that, but the more crises we have, the more this drives the uh, banks to the Fed's balance sheet to the point where they are the repo market right, where all the liquidity is on the Fed's balance sheet. And then this is a very easy transition into a unified ledger, into a CBDC, into all these things. Now, even if the central planners at the Fed right now aren't, even if this is not their intention, their motive, we're setting up the infrastructure. So it's as easy as just flipping a switch. And that's what we really need to be cognizant of, excuse me, over the long term. Over the near term, what we really have to focus on is first and foremost, the uh, Federal Home Loan Bank, oops, there we go, and the utilization there. And then we need to see if that bleeds over to the BTFP, at, you know, assuming that it's still there. And looking at the BTFP exclusively, we got to watch that like a hawk over the next three weeks to see what the utilization does now that there's no arbitrage play. And again, if that utilization continues to go up or stay the same, then we know that the majority of that spike higher is due to underlying risks and underlying cracks in the system instead of just that arbitrage play, which is the mainstream narrative right now. And then lastly, we've got to watch the, oh, that's not it. There we go. We need to watch the discount window or what they're calling now primary credit. Because when that sucker goes up, assuming the other two have gone up as well, that's when the stuff is, is really, really hitting the fan. And I think we have to start asking the question now, since the Fed has come out and said that they're going to rip the Band-Aid off March 11th, what does that do to the confidence in the market if they have to backpedal and say, oh, no, sorry, just kidding. We're going to continue to roll that over. If they do that, I, I think that obviously no certainty is only probabilities, but that tells you that there is a 
huge, huge probability. The odds are that this banking crisis that we saw in 2023 is far, far from over. And we're probably in, who knows, inning five or six. And we might see the rest play out in 2024. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. Got to check out Rebel Capitalist Live. Just talked to Mike Green yesterday, Jeff Snyder. They're all going to be there. That's the conference we have, Orlando, March 31st. You get your tickets at rebelcapitalistlive.com. We'll see you in the next video.